fireside. Uh, good morning if you're listening online and if you're listening to a podcast, I'm just glad that you're listening. If you're driving, whatever you're doing. And um, it is a stormy day out today. So if you hear rain in the background or wind, um, that's just the weather. But I'm here again in my garage and spring is here. It is getting warmer. It's been in the 50s and 60s up here in New England. And so we're thankful for that. And I'm just praying that you know, as seasons change physically, seasons will also change in this world, um, especially when it comes to being able to gather, which we're hoping to do on May 9th. Um, we're looking at Salisbury parking lot to do that and just kind of continue that weekly. Uh, we will still have live streams or streams of some sort. So you can still connect with us if you are um, kind of not in this area and can't attend, but if you're somewhere else, you can still listen to our podcast and listen to our Sunday morning gatherings live stream. So we're figuring all that stuff out. But we are still talking about resurrection, and uh, today I want to talk about the road to, to uh, Amos, and I want to uh, begin with reading Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. So we read that, and then we'll just kind of dive right into it. And this is Easter that this is happening. So this is later on the day that Jesus was resurrected. Luke chapter 4, verses 13. Now, the same day, meaning on Easter, the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, this is Jesus' response, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the scriptures concerning himself, and as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, 
And those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that this story of the resurrection would change how we live our lives, Lord. Speak to us. Lord, we pray with our open heart. Speak to us, Lord, clearly that we may recognize you. Amen. So what's going on here? Let's kind of dissect it a little bit and we'll, we'll jump in. So there's two guys there in the, this, probably the disciples of the 70, not the, the, the 12 or the 11 that are the inner, but these 70 that were following Jesus. One was Cleopas and we don't know the name of the other one, but they're walking to a place called Amos. And um, this is a famous war city. It was almost going to like a place like Gettysburg. If you were to say, I'm going to Gettysburg, you knew exactly where they were, were going. Seven miles outside of Jerusalem. So they are walking away from Jerusalem. This, the scriptures say that they were downcast. They were um, feeling overwhelmed. I mean, they spent much time with Jesus when he was walking the earth. And they thought that he was going to be the one to be this earthly king. And they would put their hope in. But that came to a halt when he was crucified and he was dead and so they are leaving Jerusalem they're walking away from the resurrection to another place and they're talking about what's going on it's a, it's a big deal not just for uh, the world but for them because they were so close to Jesus I, I remember during recently with the Capitol building being stormed um, this was kind of peak where Ellie was not doing well. Ellie's our oldest child who passed away a few months ago. And so we were kind of oblivious to what was happening in the world. And I remember opening up my phone and seeing a picture of the Capitol building being raided. And I remember thinking, um, what is happening? <laughs> and, and asking um, someone, what's going on? And it was almost like, don't you know what's been going on in the world? And I feel like this is kind of what's happening here is like Jesus being crucified and then all this hoopla of him being raised is, was very much at the center of current events. Like it was a big deal. And so they were shocked that Jesus, who they didn't know was Jesus, didn't know what was happening. But as I'm looking at this story, the, the question I have is this. Why are they walking away from Jerusalem. Why are they walking to Emmaus? Now, if you were in their position and they heard that Jesus, who they had followed, who they did respect, I mean, they, they don't say bad things about him, they respect him, he was a prophet, he was the one who we put our hope in, he did miracles. They had heard through Mary that he had been risen. Now, now, if you heard that, wouldn't you kind of run towards J Jerusalem? As Peter did. When, when Peter heard the same news earlier that day, it says he ran to the tomb. And not only did he not go to the tomb, he ran inside the tomb. Because you want to figure it out. Is this true? Is this not? But instead, they're walking away. And we don't know why. We do know that there was a lot of fear. I mean, 
the man that they were following, their rabbi, their teacher, was crucified. So who's to say that they wouldn't be next? We also know that they were accused, the disciples were accused of stealing the body. So there's a lot of fear that goes along with being in that location of Jerusalem. They were fleeing because of fear. It's what I can gather here. They're depressed. They feel defeated. So why don't we just walk away from the scene? My guess is that many of you probably are feeling the same thing in aspects of your life where there's something that has been fearful in your life that you're afraid of and instead of running towards it, you are running away from it as Cleopas and this other man are doing. When Ali passed, the first book I read was a book called Through the Eyes of a Lion, which was by an author named Levi Lesko. He's a church planner in Montana, and he also lost his daughter at the age of five years old to an asthma attack. So naturally, there's a lot of parallels with his story and my story, and so I wanted to read how he processed the whole thing. And he says this, true bravery isn't feeling no fear, it's being afraid and moving forward anyway. And he talks about this idea of called running towards the roar. There's a book that we passed out to a bunch of men in the fall, uh, a 40-day devotional kind of journal book. And I challenge you men, if you're listening, to read that because there is a lot of good encouragement, encouragement that goes along with it. But Levi talks about how lions, male lions, the, though they are big and have the big bushy mane, aren't the ones to really be afraid of. Sure, they could take me out, they could take you out like that, um, but they're not the ones who do most of the hunting. But they do participate in the hunting. I spent much time in Kenya and sometimes on safari, and I remember laying in my tent and hearing the roars of a lion. These roars could be heard for a five mile radius, so they are boisterous roars. And so what the male lion would do is it would find a pack of gazelle and it would go and it would roar, this monstrous roar that could be heard for five miles that would cause the gazelle to run in fear. Little did they know that the lioness, the true hunters, the ones to be afraid of, were crouching in the grass. And these gazelles, as they ran away from the roar, they would run right into danger. Levi Lesko says this, when you run from the things that scare you, you move toward danger, not away from it. If you fail to face your fears, they will always be right there behind you. You must suppress the little voice inside that's telling you to get out of dodge. It is not your friend. When you feel that panicky fight or flight sensation and you wanna run away and do the opposite, Run towards the roar. You have come into the kingdom just such a time as this, which is a quote from Esther 4.14. I actually think when Ellie was on this earth, she got this a little bit, specifically when the talent show in her school came up. 
Ellie, if you knew Ellie, she was not the, the most spotlight person. She kind of liked to be behind the scenes. Even when we would film Fireside Kids, she would be the one in the camera, not in the um, scene itself. But she also like knew that it was something that made her afraid. And when the flyer came out for the Newberry Elementary School talent show, I remember she came up to me and said, Dad, I think I want to do it. And me thinking, Ellie, this is your biggest fear. And as we talked with her, I got this sense that she knew it was her biggest fear, hence why she thought and wanted to do it. So I said, well, Ellie, what are you gonna do? So in the hospital for that first year of treatment, she would write her own jokes. So she wrote jokes like this. What did one spider say to the other spider? Webs up. And she wrote another joke saying, what did one tomato say to another tomato while they were in a race? Catch up. So these were her original jokes and she wanted to share them, which in itself is terrifying. So she did with me, she made me go up with her and she told her jokes. And my, as a proud dad, the reason I was proud of her was not that she did a good job and not that she, um, uh, had talent, but it's because she did the thing that was one of the most fearful things that she could have done is to stand in front of people and be in the spotlight. That's what I think running towards the roar is, and there's probably personal things in your life right now that you are walking to a man. So you're walking away from the thing that is making you fearful. And I believe that God is calling us to run towards the roar. What is that thing that you're afraid of? Embrace it, run towards it. Because when we do that, when we do that, we can rely on the strength that the Lord has. When Ellie passed, there was a lot of fearful moments that we just didn't want to deal with. Levi Lesko actually talks about this when his daughter passed, that they knew there was going to be a time that they had to go through her stuff. There was going to be a time where they would have to go and do things, address certain things, go through holidays, and we'll be in that same boat when we have, especially with Ellie's birthday coming up. But one of the first things that we did was rearrange her room. Emmy wanted to decorate her room. And I think it was one that she just is into that stuff, but two, she wanted to change and it forced us to go and really see and go through Ellie's stuff, which was so hard. Many people just don't want to deal with it because they're afraid. But we knew that we needed to run towards the roar. Another part of this story that we just read that I find very fascinating is that Jesus joins them in their journey. Even though they're walking in the wrong direction, they're if you were to take Jerusalem as a sign of life, the resurrection, and Emmaus as a sign of death, they are walking towards death. You are walking towards something. It's either life or death. And if you say, well, right now, I don't want to walk towards anything, then you are walking towards death. Because if you're not walking towards a resurrection life, you're walking away from it. And Jesus joins them. And not only does he joins them in this journey, it's a pleasant joining. We know this at the very end when they ask him to stay. And Jesus was going to 
go further, but they say, no, no, stay with us. It's a long night, come. And you just don't ask someone you don't wanna be around to stay with you. So there's this pleasant interaction that they have with Jesus, even though it's not Jesus. And they are pretty emotional. Jesus doesn't come in with wrath, and we talked about that last week, but he comes in with compassion, wanting to know, meet them where they're at. They had questions, and Jesus wanted to help them process that. Because at the end, they say in verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures? So who knows what exactly what they were saying. They could have been saying awful things like, we thought this was the one. Jesus failed us. He abandoned us. We're confused. We're lost. We are allowed to be in a place of asking questions. Jesus can handle our emotions. If you're angry at God, great, be angry at God. If you're asking God questions, ask questions. I think many of us, if you grew up in the church, maybe you had this feeling that I'm not supposed to ask, I'm just supposed to do. It's faith, don't don't figure it out, don't ask questions, just have faith. But we really should be asking questions. That's okay to be emotional, to be sad, to be angry, to be happy, to be joyful, to be confused are natural emotions within faith itself. But questions are only good if you desire answers. So many times I remember being in student ministry, kids would ask questions and shortly I would realize you really don't care about the answer. Questions without seeking the answers are just excuses. They're excuses for you to do what you wanna to do to walk on your journey to death. That's what a question is if you really don't care. You hear this all the time, I, I just, I don't, I wanna do this so, how does God allow suffering? How does God do this? If there's a great God, how does it work with science? And when someone tries to respond with that answer, they don't really care. They just are using it as an excuse. And the reason why I know this is God says, you know, if you seek in Matthew 7, 7, you will find. If you knock, I will open. This is not a God who is playing hide and seek, who, who wants you to search for him and maybe you'll stumble upon him. He's a God that's saying, if you search for me, you will, not if or maybe, you will find me. I want you to find me. I don't want to remain hidden. I want you to ask questions and I want you to search for the answers. I want you to build a strong foundation, a foundation where you can truly say, Jesus is my savior. When Jesus says you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains, it implies that there's a lot of faith that we don't have. He meets us where we're at, even when we're walking in the wrong direction. I remember playing sardines with my kids last summer. We're playing with the Kobziks, good friends of ours at our church. And what, what you do, you have one person that would hide and then everyone would look for them. And if you found that person, you would join them hiding. 
And at the end, there's just one person that is searching for everybody else. And you could just sense how you know, lonely they felt, frustrated they felt. And at that point, we would shift from hiding to revealing. We would start making noises, like little chirping noises. We would throw sticks at us because we wanted to be revealed. And I think the same is true for Jesus. He wants to reveal himself to you. And and how does he do that? We know that Jesus was not recognized at first. One, it was because he was, it was hidden from them. Um, But he slowly, he does reveal himself later. But the first thing he does is talk about scripture. He, he shows them in the word how all of this should have played out. Didn't you read Moses and the prophets that Jesus had to suffer? He goes to scripture before he shows and reveals himself. And, and, I, and I love this order. So many times we will say, Jesus, just show yourself to us. But Jesus is saying, no, I've given you a lot of things Scripture being one of them, that would reveal myself to you. But we want this road to Damascus. Paul, who was this tyrant, he he was killing all these Christians. He was a Pharisee. And on his way to Damascus, which was this city up north of Jerusalem, Jesus encountered a big bright light, blinded him for three days. You, without a doubt, this was Jesus. And that's so many that's what we want so many of the times. Jesus, just show yourself. But what Jesus does here is like, no, I want to take you through scripture first. And, and I want to help you understand the bigger picture, the, the, the bigger picture of God's plan. That this was meant to happen. That this was the purpose, the plan. From as soon as sin and brokenness entered the world, that there was a Messiah coming. And he was, it was pointing to, he didn't die because it was a failure. He died because it was a success. His resurrection was a plan bigger than you could ever expect. And as he's explaining this, he's doing it with kindness. I love what 1 Peter 3.15 says, is always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Jesus lays this out. One, because we know, again, they wanted him to stay because they say, stay with us. So he doesn't just like throw scripture at them. He's helping them to process and understand. He wants them to follow and start going towards Jerusalem. But they didn't recognize him. Again, Jesus hid that from them. And he wanted to show them scripture before he revealed from himself. But I also think there's more going on here. I think that they didn't have a proper understanding of who Jesus is. They thought Jesus was going to redeem Israel. And they didn't realize that by dying and resurrecting was redeeming Israel. They thought it was more of an earthly kingdom. They fully didn't grasp who Jesus is. Therefore, they couldn't fully see Jesus when he was in their presence. A book I read called Sacred Fire says this, I think sometimes we fail to see Jesus because we are looking at the past. Maybe it's a version of church that you were used to, but 
But he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Maybe you can't recognize Jesus because you're clinging to the past. You know, Fireside is a, a different church meeting. We don't have a church building. Um, we don't follow some of the traditions that many churches follow. And I think for some, especially who grew up in the church, they will look at that and they will say, you know, where's Jesus in this? <laughs> Jesus is not connected to a circumstance or a place. He's not confined to those things. I think so many times we try to look and see Jesus for who, what we thought he was, our assumptions of who we want him to be. As they wanted him to be an earthly king, so many times we want him to be an earthly savior, meaning, you know, Jesus, where were you? You know, you're, I'm expecting you to, to, to pave a way to get rid of the brokenness. And so because we have a false understanding of who Jesus is, we have a hard time seeing Jesus who is present. We don't recognize him. And the, the reality is he's there all the time. One of my pet peeves is when someone prays or tells me, oh, I hope, I hope the presence of Jesus is with you. I hope Jesus is present. <laughs> Jesus says you'll never leave us nor abandon us. He is present. The prayer should be, I hope you recognize his presence. I hope you recognize that he's with you and that he's been with you the whole time. And when they do recognize Jesus, it's because at the very end, it's when they give thanks and they break the bread Remember the last time bread was breaking in the Gospels was during the communion, the Last Supper. When they recognize Jesus is when they will recognize Jesus. What do I mean by that is when you acknowledge who Jesus is, you will recognize that Jesus is there. When you acknowledge that Jesus is present, Acknowledge that Jesus is working. Acknowledge that Jesus is in the situation that you're currently going through. When you first recognize Jesus, that's when you will recognize Jesus' work, his activity, and his presence. But we'll do the opposite. No, Jesus, reveal yourself. Make yourself known first, and then I will trust that you're here. Know that he's there. Know that he's with you. Recognize his presence, and then you will recognize his presence. If that makes sense. Pray. As Jesus told Cleopas and his other guy to read, go to scripture, get to know him. Know that he's at work. And when you know he's at work, it will allow you to Stop walking towards death and start walking towards life. Even if that's something that is fearful. Knowing that Jesus is with you and when you recognize his presence, you can walk towards your fears. That's what they did. As soon as they recognized Jesus, what did they do? They got up and they ran back to Jerusalem. 
They ran towards the resurrection. I think so many of us are running away from the resurrection when we need to be running towards a resurrection. The resurrection will change everything about your life. It will give you life to live on this earth and life to live after in heaven with Jesus forever. It is the biggest event ever. It changes everything. Walk towards the resurrection. Even if that means it may be fearful, know that Jesus is with you. Recognize his presence with you as you are facing your fears. So walk away from death and walk towards life. And the only way to do that is to recognize that Jesus is with you. And the only way to recognize that Jesus is with you is to recognize that he's alive and that he's active. To pray, to read scripture. And when you do that, watch how God will reveal himself to you ever so slowly, sometimes quickly. I think for us in our situation to make it a little bit personal, as we grieve the loss of Ellie. It says sometimes you just have to be rely on your habits. And sometimes your emotions don't necessarily match up with your knowledge or vice versa. And so there's, a, there's been a times where I'm like, you know, I, I, just, I just need to read scripture, even though emotionally I'm not feeling it. Because right now emotionally I, I'm not, recognizing that Jesus is in this presence. And then I'm reminded of who he is, the bigger picture, and I get comfort. And it helps me to run towards the resurrection, to run towards life, which honestly is really scary and fearful at times. To run towards the roar, to face the fears that this life throws our way. Some are practical fears that God has for you. Some are more abstract, some are emotional. And the only way to do it is to recognize that Jesus has joined you in the journey. And he wants you to recognize his presence and recognize that he's doing something in you and through you. Run towards the roar. Run towards the resurrection. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, help us have a better view of you, <laughs> that we would recognize you, that it wouldn't be attached to things that are we assume to our assumptions, but they would be attached to the reality of what we've experienced. But not only that, but what you've said in your word, that our eyes may be open to who you are that our eyes would be open knowing that you are here with us right now as we listen and watch this, that you're here, Jesus. And so Lord, help us do a better job of running towards the resurrection, walking towards you, even though it may be fearful. You never said life would be easy. That was not your promise, but your promise was that you would never leave us. So we cling on to that and it's in your name we pray. Have a good week, guys.